Welcome back to another episode of the WSL edition of the Football Engine podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Christian. Um, last weekend were, was a women's football weekend. Uh, it was match day seven of WSL. So we will go through the, the games in detail. Um, and today I'm joined by Liv. She's finally back on the podcast after a very long absence. So welcome back, Liv. Hello, hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me back on again. Um, yeah, I've been a bit busy with some uh, work, but other than that, I'm back. Hopefully, see me again at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a very long time. It I has. Think last it's time been... you were on, uh, we, was it we, we, yeah, <laughs> we 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 very we praised Everton and said that they will finish top three, mm. and we completely slaughtered <laughs> the appointment of Mark Skinner. Um, one of them turned out accurate, yeah, so... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, yeah, let's just get into it and start off with uh, the first game of the weekend, which was the North London, Dar- North London derby between Tottenham and Arsenal. Uh, yeah. It, it ended 1-1. Uh, Maybe a bit surprising, uh, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was, I think it was the wake up call that Arsenal needed. If you actually, like, obviously they've been getting the results recently, um, but the performance actually in the previous few matches hasn't been um, as what we've been seeing previously. Um, I mean, fair play to Tottenham. It wasn't a case of like, oh, you know, we just had an off day. Like they actually did do quite well in the game. Um, and again, I I just think it was it was needed for the squad. Um, and but obviously with that came the injury of uh, Leah Williamson, who looks like she's set out to be out for quite some weeks. So it will be interesting to see how the Arsenal team do. But um, yeah, I mean, you've got to take the positives. Um, and they did get a point, but it means that the gap is closing between them and Chelsea even further. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll get back to Leah Williamson's injury. But first of all, what do you think was, was missing for Arsenal in this game? I'd say it was more of a communication thing. Um, it wasn't as though... I mean... I, it just didn't feel right. There was something about the game, the aspects. I mean, it, there wasn't too much drive to it. I think they kind of turned up to the game as if they were going to win it. Uh, I think it was like the last time they played Tottenham, they beat them by something a bit crazy. So um, I think they probably thought, okay, you know, this is going to be another story. I mean, 
uh, on the table. Tottenham are fourth, so they're an opposing threat, but I feel like it was a case of overestimation. Um, and I think actually the result kind of is going to bring them a bit down to earth because they've been flying at the moment, you know, top of the table. So, um, yeah, I, I believe it's probably something to do with that. I'm not sure if, well, I think, I think first of all, efficiency in front of goal was a big part of what was missing because, well, Arsenal had had the chances to, to win the game and then, Corpella in, in, in Tottenham's uh, goal yeah. just had a blinder of a game, saving she, so many shots and, and stuff like that. But other than that, I felt kind of... There was something about the ball tempo, I think. There was kind of a bit slower, maybe, it than, was, than usual. It was, it was a bit more slow. Um, and actually, Arsenal's quite known for their quick tempo, so the fact that it was slow was kind of indicating... Well, there was a bit of an issue on the day for uh, gameplay, but yeah, no, I completely agree with you. But I also think that that has something to do with how well organized Tottenham was in in defense. Uh, I think uh, when when a team plays slowly, I think they it's it's a sign of them just struggling yeah. to find space and the, the right solutions. I think also for this game, obviously it's a North London derby. Um, the the previous ones haven't been competitive in comparison to this one, um, and I think that Tottenham knew that, and Tottenham wanted actually no, we do want this to be taken as a serious derby, and we don't just want it to be kind of like oh okay. I reckon they prepared more for this one. This game probably meant more to them than quite a lot of the other games, because the history of it, and actually. In women's football, the fact that this game fell on women's football weekend is um, is a big part of it. Uh, if you look to like the crowd, the atmosphere was meant to be really good actually for that game, um, and even the coverage. Um, I think I think it had a huge part. Like obviously, it was Spurs home game, so they had more fans turning up. Um, and yeah, I think it's I think it's a big part of it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I also just think like Tottenham looks better this season than, than previously. Yeah. Oh so, yeah, definitely for sure. Um so you mentioned Leah Williams Williamson's injury. Uh, it turns out she will probably be out uh until the new year. Um missing some very key games. Uh yeah, for sure. So, so how much of an impact do you think her injury will have on Arsenal season? Um, I think it's going to be this specific injury that will definitely mess with a lot of the tempo. Uh, Leah Williamson is literally one of the key uh, components to Arsenal's um, team and definitely the team that Jonas has built. I think she's started like pretty much all of the games for him. Um, and I think her technique and her skill, uh, she is honestly such an asset to that Arsenal team. It'll be interesting to see whether... Boy and uh, Wibbermoy will actually, you know, work together. We've seen their partnership before in a Champions League game, and um, you know, some people were saying it's not quite strong enough. Um, this was before Leah Williamson was out injured, so I think it'll be really interesting to see, um, especially with Jem Beatty. Um, she's such a class defender, um, but obviously she's had her own tr- troubles herself. So, um, but I think. All, like altogether, I think it will be an issue for Arsenal. And then again, us as Arsenal fans, we're going to be 
you know, kind of kind of looking forward to seeing how Jonas uh, manages to deal with it because it is a huge blow uh, to his defence, but also like the, the the assists and the balls that she creates um, has such a major impact on the tempo that Arsenal plays. So. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely not a good thing. Obviously, she's injured, but but more for Flo as well because of that key part that she plays. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. I think just Leah Williamson Williamson is one of the the big key players for Arsenal in terms of uh, starting attacks from the back. She is really good on the ball. Uh, and she always looks to play forward through the lines if if if, if possible. So uh, I think I think that's going to be a big miss as I don't see uh, any of the other centre backs Arsenal have. Uh, they don't have the same th- yeah. that same skill set. They're kind of lacking in that area. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, and other than that, I think also defensively Arsenal will be a lot more vulnerable uh, because well. I always felt that Leah Williamson is kind of the player that keeps that defense together in a way. Yeah. Uh, um, and there will be more ways to exploit Arsenal, uh, for example, with, with long balls in behind. Uh, yeah, and I, I think feel. also the the leadership qualities that she has. Obviously, she, she doesn't captain Arsenal as often. Um, but, you know, even the... the the fact that she's now captaining England for some of their games, it shows the quality that she'd have and the effect that she has on those players. Um, she's kind of, I guess you could say, the captain of the fence. Um, <laughs> she, yeah, the qualities that she brings both on and off the pitch, I think, will also be missed greatly. Um, and in that changing room, you need someone like Leah. Uh, obviously, they've got great lin- uh, leaders like Kim Little and so on and Jordan Nobbs, but um, I feel like the defenders will be feeling a lot less confident. Um, and it's not that they doubt their, 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 you know, their teammates, but it's the fact that she's not going to be there to, to kind of, you know, uh, cheer them on kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, but I don't think they will, will feel the miss of her uh, come Sunday. Uh, because they will, Arsenal will obviously play Manchester United. Um, yep. From first of all, I, I like your perspective because I will give my perspective on it when yeah. we talk about the United game. But from an Arsenal perspective, how do you think they will do against Manchester United? Um. So I mean, obviously they've got um, Liam missing. Uh, so it's an, it's another aspect of exploitation. But um, I I do have confidence in Arsenal. I think if you look at their last six in comparison to Manchester United, I think um, it it kind of tells a story. Um, and I I don't think it will be an issue for them. I think the fact that. I mean, we've never had this before as Arsenal to have such a strong bench and a starting eleven. Um, I know in the past I've complained about <laughs> the squad depth that Arsenal's had, but um, actually this season I feel a lot more confident about it. So I genuinely I think it will be a win for Arsenal. Um, and by what number? Um, I think it's anyone's guess. It could be a tight game in the fact that no, maybe Arsenal won't adjust too well with Leah being missing. But I think with the attacking quality that we have in Vivian Miedema, in Beth Mead this season, um, I feel we 
do have the the opportunity to make it big numbers. Um, and you you know quite a lot about the big number games, don't you? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I have uh, I have past experience from this season. And I, yeah. I'm, before I go into more detail, I, I, I'm just going to say that I fear that it could be worse, actually. Uh, uh, so yeah. Well, uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, we will get to that, uh, but we need to talk quickly about Tottenham in this game. So what did you what did you think about them? What in the game against Arsenal? Yeah. Yeah, well I mean I think they they really did show that they're not just I mean, where did they come last season? It was about mm, it was mid table, wasn't eight it? Or eight, nine. Yeah, eighth or ninth, so mid to bottom. Um they they don't want to be that team anymore. They've had obviously a managerial change, um and actually quite a lot of players going out. Um, some new players coming in and I feel like this Tottenham team is going to be one that we should definitely watch out for I mean their league position says a lot I know it's only November but actually they're going into the new year and the Christmas break pretty strong um, and and I think they demonstrated that on again on the game against Arsenal and I think their fans are a big part of it um, they never really had too big of a fan base in the women's football um, obviously because they're quite a new team in, in that sense but um, it's growing and I think that the players are also growing their player images and profiles um, and I tell you who did do really well I think um, Neville did quite well Yeah. Um, and obviously the goalkeeper had an absolute blinder uh, it was it was quite it was great. It was great to see. And it was actually great because as an Arsenal fan, I I know we were a bit cocky and arrogant, but actually going into that game, I wasn't too sure how it was going to come. And I thought maybe it would be a big number game. And actually I was quite, I was quite like not looking forward to it in the sense that I didn't want it to be like that. Um, for the growth of the game, I want it to be a good North London derby. Um, and I, I just think that players, they really turned up and fair play to them. And and that's me complimenting my absolute arch rivals. So <laughs> no, they did good. They did really good. Yeah, uh, I also think they did really well. Uh, I think they just have a very clear game plan of being defensively solid and compact, and then try to do hit uh, hit on the counter uh, at least against kind of the the big teams uh, against more against teams on, on more on their level, I think that, that they tried to play more. But actually, once they did, once they were defensively solid against Arsenal and kind of managed to limit them in some degree, yeah. uh, although they did concede quite a few chances, they also had chances themselves to win the game, especially Ashley Neville missing that open goal. I mean, yeah. and also I thought, uh, I think Manuel Sinsberg made a couple of pretty good saves as well. Uh, yeah, so they sure. had a really good period going forward, uh, and I think at two 0 they, they they probably would have won if if they if Neville had scored that. Uh, yeah, I mean it was it was literally by chance that um, that we got a goal back. I mean, um, I don't know if you've seen the video of the whole um, Jonas and Viv thing, but it, it is. I think a lot of the players they weren't their mind wasn't in the game. Um, and I think they were very lucky to get that goal at the end. Um, and I actually think that the reaction that Viv did when she celebrated it, it shows the passion. And it also shows, actually, 
they shouldn't have got that lucky in the sense that they they they've kind of been letting their form slip a little bit um but at the same time that the schedule uh, i think that's probably another thing that we can talk about but you know the champions league and then having you know sometimes even fa cup games and then having wsl games and and all they're not very well spaced out and um but that's always been an issue hasn't it so I, i'm not going to make excuses for the arsenal team um instead i'm going to compliment the tottenham team <laughs> Yeah, I just find, find it quite ironic that uh, Tottenham managed to get a last-minute equaliser last weekend uh, on a set piece, and then they conceded a last-minute minute equaliser on a set yeah. piece. Of this <laughs> quite funny. Uh, it is. You're right. Uh, so let, let's move on to another derby. Actually, played uh, this past weekend, the second city derby between Birmingham and Aston Villa. <laughs> Uh, it yeah. finished 1-0 to Aston Villa. Uh, I don't think there's that much to talk about from this game. But I'll yeah. ask you, what did you think about the game anyways? I mean, um, I think it was quite it was quite important. Um, I think it's quite clear um, of <laughs> what it's going to do to both teams in the sense that, well, Birmingham's 11th in the table now. Um, and... I think it it's quite it's quite interesting to see actually the positions of both teams from from what they were last season to this season. Uh, Aston Villa sixth and Birmingham's now eleventh. So I think it was an important game for both teams. Obviously for Aston Villa to pick up points, um, for Birmingham, well also to pick up points, but they didn't. So um, yeah, I think I think it was I think it was a good game. Uh, I didn't. I didn't watch it personally, but I, from what I hear, it was it was well, it was a good game. So um, yeah, well, what were your thoughts on it? Um, this I usually watch back all the games. Uh, I missed yeah. this one when it, it it was live and they didn't upload it to the FA player, so I didn't watch it. I just <laughs> FA watched player it. problems. <laughs> uh, I, ju- I just managed to watch the highlights and yeah. Whilst I don't really can comment much on the play uh, from both teams, uh, I can say that there were very few chances, uh, yeah, very few ch- shots on target. So, which, uh, which is a sign of a very tight game, probably with not many teams dominating. I expect, yeah. I assume Aston Villa kind of had the majority of possession, uh, and Birmingham kind of sat back and and tried to create something, uh, but. Aston Villa didn't really create much from what I saw, but I managed to get a goal from a set piece, which obviously is can can be uh, can be the difference in 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 these tight games and derbies. Uh, yeah, for but, sure. But apart from that, I just didn't think Birmingham created that much. I mean, they had a couple of half chances towards the end after when when they kind of had to push up to get a goal, but didn't manage to do that. So yeah. I, I I think it was a pretty even game. Uh, yeah. So I think we need to talk about the news coming from from Birmingham yesterday, quite late actually from from Emma Saunders. Uh, Birmingham have sacked their manager Scott Booth. Um, are you surprised by that? Um, I'm gonna say it's a bit it's a bit of a mix of both. Um, I think the fact that obviously if you look at the form 
that um, Birmingham's in. You know, they they've uh, not won a single game. Uh, they've drawn one and lost six. So I think actually statistics-wise, absolutely not surprised. Um, they're they're not a bad group of players to be honest. They've had a couple. Um, key players exit obviously they've had a managerial change uh which is another thing it's it's um it's it's quite surprising that he's lasted well what until november um that they're, they're, they're actually doing it quite early on in the season in the sense that obviously it's only been going since september but um i think it, it's really going to be one last push um before it's too late in the sense if you kind of understand what I mean, having a new person come in is probably gonna. Mm, I don't know. They want it. They want to at least get some points. If you know what I mean, rather than having one point, um, it is really a last push from them. I reckon. Um, yeah, I think I. I wasn't too surprised by it. I don't know about you, but yeah. Well. I agree with you in the sense that I wasn't surprised in terms of if you look at kind of their results and even some of their performances, although they have they haven't been that bad actually uh, in some games. I mean, they they managed to, for example, keep Manchester United out. Not that that's very difficult, but <laughs> maybe for Birmingham it's difficult. But they managed to keep them out for 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 a lot of the game against them. Yeah. Uh, they're just strugg- they were just struggling so much to get anything going going forward and struggling for chances and, and goals. Yeah. Uh, so not surprised looking at their results, but may- I, I kind of felt that something was improving, and I thought they would kind of try to stick with that. Uh, yeah. And stick with Booth for a little longer. A little bit to- longer, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, actually, and the fact that they were kind of getting a bit of a flow back um, under this. But then again, I think it's quite easy to, to judge from the outside without knowing the inside story. There could yeah. have been other bits going on. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I think I think they could have probably lasted a bit longer under him. Um, but then again, I'm quite looking forward to seeing what's to come next for them. Yeah, I'm very curious about who they appoint, but I also think that the problems in that club stick longer and deeper oh, for sure. um, than just the manager and the players. So, well, yeah. So, um, moving on to the other end of the table from Birmingham to Brighton, uh, so yeah, who sit third. Uh, they play Leicester at home, and they managed to grind out uh, uh, another win uh, with their very late free kick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it might ex- be it might be another Arsenal situation when they kind of sat back a bit. But, <laughs> yeah. but did you expect Brighton to be so good this season? Um, well, I think I'd need to listen back to that early podcast <laughs> to what I actually said. No, I I did. Um, I think we talked about um how well they did actually last season that they weren't obviously they weren't top three but they were doing a lot better yeah they were doing a lot better they're holding their fifth seed they're holding their mid-table anyway that was I always you know if you think of Brighton women I always used to think mid-table club but actually the talent and and Hope Powers has had some mental I don't know something's gone on because she has like 
completely transformed this team. And actually, if you look at the team, it hasn't really changed too much. Um, but it just works so well. And actually, I'm really happy for them, uh, for the players. I know how hard they work. I know a couple of the players myself. So um, I think, I think, yeah, they're just uh, they're doing really well, and um, they're just quite a classy group <laughs> and a good manager. So yeah, um, yeah, it's good. I think. I gotta say that I didn't expect Brighton to be third. Uh, yeah, not third. But I would. I but I might have said in in the podcast you re- referred to that they they could well replicate their their fifth place from from last season uh, yeah. or sixth place. Um, so. But then again, do you think that um, it's really going to change? Do you reckon that they can maintain the whole season, stay in third, or do you reckon? Do you reckon something's going to happen? Like, wh- what do you think in that regards? Well, I think I think Brighton have shown that they can be consistent uh, at least from the yeah. first seven games, uh, and it's just a matter of of keeping that up. Uh, uh, and and I feel like they have a real chance due to uh, other teams having such poor season, like Manchester City and Everton, who we kind of expected to be up there. Uh, yeah, and Manchester for sure. United haven't really impressed so far either. Although I mean, they have twelve points from seven games, I I don't think anyone actually would have predicted where Manchester City are. I mean, what were we saying? I mean, I I did say I don't think they're going to get top three, but the fact that they're ninth is um, uh, well, something that we can talk about in a minute. But yeah, as for Brighton, I think that they've basically just swapped over with uh, <laughs> they swapped over with either Manchester United or Manchester City. I think I think um. Yeah, they're doing ten times better. Yeah, and they just they just have a really good squad, or or at least a very good team. Yeah, uh, and they have the longevity with Hope Powell as as their manager. Oh yeah, so for that. sure. So I mean, she they she know. knows. Yeah, she she knows, and she they know. knows that team inside out. I tell you that. <laughs> she does. Big plus for them. Yeah, um, big. We also need to talk about Leicester, who still haven't managed to get a point on the board and are sitting last. But yeah. do you think they should? Do you think they feel hard done by, given kind of their strong defensive performance in this game, and and just the way that they conceded so late and from a from a free kick? I I do. I think actually, um, I think those goals are really going to be giving themselves a hard time about it because it's it could have been their opportunity to at least grab one point. Um, I think we have to remember, like the, the I think the average age for that team was like twenty three or something crazy like that. Um, they're a very young group of girls. They're very good players. Um, but I think this season, um, it it has been unfair to them to be honest. Um, and I do think that yeah, the bright the Brighton game, it could have. I mean, on paper, it might have been a game for them to have grabbed a couple of points. But, I mean, Brighton, as we've just spoken about, have been completely, well, <laughs> a bit crazy recently. Um, and, yeah, I, d- I do feel bad for Leicester. Um, and especially when you see, like, the, what their championship, um, what you know, their championship form before that. Um, but also the investment that's gone into the women's team um, I don't think they're going to be quite too happy with it. But then again, money doesn't always uh, translate to success. So, um, yeah, I do I do feel that they'll be 
quite hurting for the next couple games. Um, but then again, they've just got to try and get some points whenever they can. Um, and it was a missed opportunity, I'd say. Yeah, because I didn't feel like Brighton had that much. Uh, oh, yeah, no. In terms sure. of chances and stuff like that. So uh, Leicester's defence were very resilient once again, like, for example, against Chelsea. But in the end, they they kind of let it go yeah. and lost it, unfortunately for them. Um, okay, so let's speak about Sai uh, <laughs> Everton versus Manchester United. Um, it finished one-one. Yeah, uh, and uh, I gotta say that Mark Skinner is breaking record after after record. <laughs> I mean, so far this season, he has uh, <laughs> inflicted the biggest defeat of Manchester United uh, since their they, they, their foundation. foundation. Uh, yeah. With a six-one loss against Chelsea last yeah. weekend, he I mean... dropped points to Tottenham <laughs> for the first time. And this weekend, or this Ooh, past weekend, he you're dropped... drawing against mm, Everton. <laughs> drop points to Everton for the first time. Honestly, I think this game's just painful for me in general. I mean, actually, I think it's painful in the fact that I had so much confidence in Everton, but also the fact that well, we've actually got something right for once, Christian. We said that Mark Skinner would not be the success that Manchester United wanted. I mean, so. I'm, 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 <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that I've or not happy that it was right. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> but the validation feels the validation. good, given how much stick I've gotten for, for being too negative about it. Uh, yeah. But anyways, uh, despite uh, two draws in a row, they're, they're fifth with 12 yeah. points from seven games, and I don't think any of their performance performances have been particularly good. Mark yep. Skinner seems very happy with how things are going. Yeah, it's a bit like a. Uh, it it's a bit like an an Ole moment. What's going on? It's like both of these Manchester United managers are very optimistic. Both of the teams aren't doing exactly too great, but no, <laughs> no I mean it's um mm, they've been okay, and I say okay because um I was predicting them to absolutely flop and and you know what they haven't they haven't been great let's be honest um they've drawn like three of their last games and lost a couple but it, it's just um a case of they have got good players um they don't have bad players it's just a problem of the managerial and i don't think mark's gonna can provide the stability that uh, manchester united need because at the moment, fifth. I mean, it's it's not bad considering what we were thinking originally. Um, no, I thought they would finish fifth. You did. I thought maybe a little bit lower, but there we are. <laughs> um, they're a very fifth fifth position club at the moment. So, um, yeah. I I mean, no disrespect, but. <laughs> oh no! I'm not not taking. <laughs> you you're just kind of accepting it at this rate. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm just gonna say that I have no idea how he could feel happy at all with how things are going because, well, <laughs> the points tally isn't that bad. No, it's not. You've got twelve points. It it could be worse. 
Yeah, but my but kind of the biggest problems I see is the performances uh, and also kind of the way United are playing. I don't see much plan, and I feel like he's done more wrongs than rights. Uh, so at this point, him saying that he's happy and they're working hard and stuff like that, uh, I feel it's kind of it's a, a point of delusion and just not being. But I think it's I think it's unfair to you guys to be honest, the fans. Yeah, it's if, just if, a case of him not seeing things how we th- we we see things and maybe yeah. refusing to do so, uh, and he actually took a dig at us after the Tottenham game saying that some of the unco- some of the comments after that game was unfair uh, but was it really unfair they weren't they were really poor again yeah for sure I mean yeah no I have to agree with you um, I think it's more him just being a bit arrogant <laughs> um, yeah. but I think I think a lot of being a manager is actually listening to fans and I know you might think well they're not qualified they're not this but I think watching games from different perspectives always helps like when I speak to some of the players like if I give them some sort of I don't know guidance or something it's because I watch it from a different angle and I you know kind of analyze it um and I think that more of that needs to be kind of taken on board a little bit I know I'm not 100% qualified but (laughs) Um, just different points of view and actually I wouldn't go to the point of saying it was unfair I think if that's what the fans are feeling that's what the fans are feeling um, and the result wasn't good enough so I think you have every right to, to, to think that um, he just needs to wake up to it um, and I think only time will tell whether he does or not Yeah, and the results will show that <laughs> So I think we need to talk about United in this game. What what did you think about their performance? Yeah, I think um, they it was just United, I guess. Uh, they they obviously did better than what they've been performing recently. Um, but again, it's another draw. It's another one point shared. So um, I think actually, yeah, it was it was quite a tight game. Um, and actually, considering that Manchester United's fifth and uh, Everton's tenth, I feel like Manchester United could have exploited Everton a bit more. Um, but then again, then they haven't been exactly inspiring recently. So I'm I'm actually more interested to to think what you think about it and what their what you think their performance was like. Um, yeah, um, I'm actually going to be a bit positive for once because I've thought the first. <laughs> half an hour 30 minutes were actually pretty good well yeah. at least compared to previous games uh, but i was surprised to see that they actually started quite well uh, i thought kind of the they showed more intent in their play uh, yeah. they had higher ball tempo and there were more willingness to play forward uh, than because i think previously you just see in so slow play sideways, sideways and backwards yeah. without really finding anyone uh, of of their attackers uh, often enough. But in the first thirty minutes against Everton, I thought you you saw that they they tried to find Elatoun in between lines. They tried to play find Martha Thomas at striker. Uh, 
they, they, they just seemed more inspired kind of uh, in their play and they obviously managed to get a goal yeah uh, a really good goal from from altitude and it was a really good counterattack from from their own half yeah uh, but after that i've got to say i was really disappointed with how with with the fact that they they just took their the, the fear off the gas and let everton back in the game and they were even happy to let Ever, everton control the game uh, yeah. for the rest of it really uh, they just sat back uh, and just absorbing pressure pressure in a way, um, which I think is just not the right mentality. I think it's poor in-game management from Mark Skinner uh, to allow that yeah, um, and I, not I mean, changing it for the second half. I was going to say every single player knows that a one-goal like one cushion is never enough. Um, you need to be getting two, three before you start sitting back, and I think actually that does does kind of show um the lack of again maybe a bit of arrogance um but but it's more yeah I I completely agree with you if I was a Manchester United fan I would not be happy with my team and my players doing that or definitely should be going not playing the defensive game um it's very negative uh football play and it's not going to get you results. No, I th- I think just the biggest that's the one of the biggest differences between uh, United and, for example, Arsenal. Because if you when you see when you watch Arsenal and they go one 0 up, they mm. don't sit back. They just keep going and attacking and creating, wanting to score more goals. For sure, and, and that's a big min- mentality difference. You can uh, see that in the goal difference. Um, yeah, but United don't score goals. No, of course not. Not many. No, they've got. I think their goal difference is one or something, but yeah. um, I yeah, and I think that's the the whole thing is the I think forward play in a team like Arsenal, uh, the forwards enjoy it because they go score they go score more. Um, Manchester United, I feel like they kind of have a bit of a feeling okay they they're lucky if they score kind of one goal per couple of games, um, and and that's not the kind of play that a forward or an attacker would want to do. Um, and obviously, I'm not going to blame the manager for everything. I think also players are also um, very much so responsible for it. But I feel like the Manchester United players would want a better season than what they're having. Um, and and I think that's also a big issue. They probably got a bit of disappointment uh, in, in what's going on. But um, yeah, I don't know about you, but... Yeah, I just think the biggest disappointment for me is that United actually have pretty good um, good players going forward like they have Elitude they have Alessio Russo they have Leo Goldman. I mean these are real quality players uh, but they, they aren't just they aren't able to to, to score enough goals uh, and I think maybe whilst for example Leo Goldman hasn't been in uh, format all this season I also think it has a lot to do with how United are playing uh, that they are playing slowly and they aren't managing to in- involve their wingers uh, at all, really. Yeah. Uh, and they just rely on Elitune and Alessio Russo to do something magical to, to get a goal. Uh, yeah. And another thing with kind of the whole point of, of sitting back, I think you can sit back if you are, for example, Chelsea, like they did against City after going 1-0 up. We'll, we'll, we'll get that. Uh, but they have the quality to do so. Uh, and they they're, they're comfortable doing it, uh, but with United's defense, it, it's just not good enough to 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 
to absorb and sit back and take in pressure uh, because they are susceptible to making mistakes, to lose concentration, like you saw on the goal Everton scored. Uh, yeah. It was just a complete mess from 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 Mary Earps and Maria Thurstotter, real poor communication and, and yeah. you know you just feel that something like that can happen every time. Uh, so United are just a team that needs to play on the front foot rather than on, on the back foot. Yeah. So I agree. Uh, and it's very and it's also quite disappointing given that Mark Skinner when he came in that he said yeah, I want to play free-flowing, attacking football like Manchester United should do, but he hasn't done it at all. Um, and I think just that loses a lot of credibility for him. Um, what else? Well, we need to preview uh, the, from from my perspective, the a game on Sunday. Um, what do you, you think that United need to do against Arsenal to not get humiliated like against Chelsea? Um, I, I think we lost Liv for a while, so I just answer Hello? That. Can you? Oh, yeah. Right, can you hear me? Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, what what do you th- think United need to do against Arsenal to not get humiliated like against Chelsea? Um, okay, so I know we were literally just talking about um not playing defensive football, but um they they need to be strong in the defense for sure. And um I I think that in order not to get humiliated because I know that a big scoring game is not off the cards at all. Um, they need to be strong. Mary Earps need to have better communication with her defenders, for sure. Um, and vice versa, actually. Um, and more to the point, exploit. They need to exploit that Lil Williamson's not there. They need to be doing those those balls, put them behind the line. They need to be attacking um, with precise with with preciseness because they can't be wasting opportunities. They won't come easy. They've Arsenal, even without Lear, have got a solid defence. Um it's definitely not a bad one. Um and also such a deadly attack. So um it is it's gonna be I would not want to be Mark Skinner at the moment preparing for this game because it's not gonna be an easy one. And um I'd say that they've probably got more of a chance of losing it than winning it. Um, but again, your perspective as a Man United fan is probably what I'm <laughs> more looking forward to. Um, yeah, I think, first of all, they they just can't play the way they played against Chelsea. I mean, I know, uh, I think looking at United so far, I think it's pretty clear that Mark Skinner wants to to be to play out from the back and build up his attack that, uh, his attacks that way. Uh, but to be honest, he doesn't have the players uh, for this game to do it. Uh, like Jackie Gronin is United's most press-resistant player, in my opinion. Uh, so she kind of needs to be at the base for 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 them to have any chance of of playing out. Uh, but she's injured, uh, so they don't have her. Uh, and with the way kind of Arsenal press with such high intensity and such just relentlessness, they. They won't give you anything. They press better than Chelsea, uh, and, you, and Chelsea really just killed United of staying high up and pressing them when they tried to play out, and scored yeah. like three or four goals because of it. 
so I think doing that or trying to play out against Arsenal is will be a massive mistake, especially with uh, with Katie Salem in midfield, who who tends to give the ball away under pressure in dangerous areas. So yeah, that's kind of the main thing for me that they they, they can't do that in their own play, and obviously try to to be defensively strong. Uh, it's not that easy given how United's defense have looked uh, yeah. in the season, but they just need to try to find something. Uh, something special there, uh, and then whilst I don't want them to kind of play out and just kill themselves because of that, I don't want them to just give the ball away straight away. I think it's really important to to, to rest with the ball or kind of use the ball so that you that Arsenal don't get that constant pressure on you. The hundred percent. Um, in fact, maybe even bore the opposition a little bit <laughs> in the sense of holding up that ball um, and not allowing... Arsenal hates a slow tempo. They like a fast tempo game and they can really precisely attack it. Um, Man United's chance of getting a point would be to hold up the ball um, and, and for sure exploit it that way. Um, as you said, like defensively, they haven't been too great this season, Man United, but um, it's the little things and it's actually those kind of not-so-fun tactics that they're going to need to be playing uh, tomorrow. Not tomorrow, Sunday. <laughs> it's only Friday. Um, but yeah, for sure, it will be it'll be an interesting game. And uh, I look forward to it, hopefully as an Arsenal fan, and hopefully I don't look like a mug when... Uh, they lose. <laughs> it's easier said than done to hold on to hold, hold on to the ball against Arsenal. Oh, uh, for sure. <laughs> but it is the only way. I feel like yeah. if if they were able to. Yeah. Uh, another thing is that I feel that United can manage to exploit Arsenal, especially now with Leah Williamson as you said out. Uh, that's a massive gaping hole in their in their defense. So I think playing direct uh, could. Uh, help United to create chances like in behind uh, Arsenal's defence, which I don't think is particularly fast without Leah Williamson. I think she's got quite, she's quite quick. Yeah. A lot of Ruben Moy and Boyer's terms aren't that that fast. They don't have kind of the same. Uh, No. So that's an area I think they could exploit. And also uh, uh, on on United's right side because I know that Katie, I assume Katie McCabe uh, will play on the left, either as a left winger or a left back. If she plays as a left winger, it's Steph Catley uh, at left back. Uh, but I know that they, both of them, are attacking-minded and they will push up. Uh, and yeah, they will, sure. Which means they definitely will leave space in behind. Uh, so I think I have kind of targeted that area as well as in behind Arsenal's defense to for for United to exploit. Um, uh, Let's hope they're listening. <laughs> well, I, I will probably make a Twitter thread on it as I do before most games. Just writing down. Just my, tag my, them all. Like, please just, listen to me. <laughs> just writing down my thoughts. And it, it was. It's just so funny that every well, not that I'm going to be cocky and praise myself that much but it's kind of 
just most of the time I've managed to identify exactly kind of what the. Do you know what I say? I say that you, you know, like we should get it trending, like Christian for for manager of Man United twenty twenty two. Hashtag Skinner out, Moe. Hashtag Skinner out, yeah. <laughs> or maybe I should say Skinner in. I mean, I'm an Arsenal fan, so. <laughs> yeah. On your behalf, I'll say Skinner out, okay? <laughs> Can I just also say that I think one problem with United is, uh, or with Skinner, is the fact that he just refuses to rotate. I mean, United don't have the luxury to uh, rotate as much as Arsenal or Chelsea, like seven or six or seven players per game. Uh, but I'm looking at the midfield. United have six players in midfield for three positions. That's two per position. Uh, and he's just this. He's just decided that Katie Salom, well, she's going to start every single game. Mm. It doesn't matter how poor she's, she's playing. She will start because probably because she's the captain. Uh, yeah, and was that's a complete uh, new other conversation, which I'm not going to go into. I think it's quite ridiculous when you have kind of an experienced in- international like Wilde Barisa on the bench, or even Hayley Ladd on the bench. I, I actually and, and can't they, believe that Barisa is on the bench, and they just don't get a looking look in at all. Uh, What's the point in signing them? Like genuinely, sign them for squad depth, and he's not even using squad depth. It's not, and and it, it is, and it's one of the most frustrating things. Um, and favoritism was obviously it's previously been an issue at Man United anyway. Um, and it was an opportunity for actually your club to decide. You know what? No, we are actually going to rotate. But no, it's the manager. It, a different manager is doing the same problem that was opposed before. Um, and I think, yeah, I completely agree with you. It's wasted talent. Um, it, it is, it's just unfair as well. It's not like the players, okay, they're, they're playing every game, but they play absolutely exceptional. There's how, I mean, Man United could make a difference if they give a chance to the players that they've, well, more importantly, recently signed. Um, a couple of them, and I'm. It just baffles me. <laughs> Risa recently signed. Sorry. Well, I don't. <laughs> Sorry, but I think just the fact that kind of Katie Salem knows that she will start every game, it it makes her complacent, and I think, and you see that in her performances, that she hasn't played a very. She hasn't. She's had a really poor season. Like I know. from from the eye from the eye test, her her stats are somehow always quite impressive after the game. Uh, but looking kind of at watching the games, she's really not that good. Uh, for example, against against I think against Everton, I think her pass accuracy was like sixty three point four percent or something, and she won one out of seven tackles. How like she. And Mark Skinner is talking about grit. That's not grit. No. So I just don't know. I think this favoritism needs to stop. He, he needs to utilize his squad more, especially in the field. Whilst he doesn't have the luxury in as much in attack. Uh, I think, for example, Ivana Fusa also could should get more of a look in. She, have, she hasn't played in the league. Yeah. Uh, and she scored twice in the cup games. So I don't know. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting, interesting and frustrating season. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. Okay. That's enough from me ranting that, about Manchester United. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they always get very long these segments about them. It's fine. It's allowed. It's allowed. <laughs> so yeah, uh, let's talk about Everton then. Um, yeah. They took their first point of a Manchester team on their sixteenth attempt. Wow, that's a statistic and a half. Mark Skinner breaking records. Um, breaking records. Yeah. Like, I mean, wh- what did you think about think about Everton? Yeah, they um, obviously better than what's recently been happening to them. Uh, they managed to grab one point. They've lost their last two before that, so um, I think, yeah, it was it was evenly matched. They probably shouldn't have even got a goal to be quite frank I think that was more just Manchester United being absolutely lazy um I I'm I'm just quite sad actually I mean you know the love I have for this team um and I just think the players talent you can and I think actually this season proved that you can have the most talented players but if you don't have a good manager, you're not going to get success from them. And um, obviously, they've got a new manager now. Um, but I, I just really think that Everton is going to be battling um, and trying to, you know, get even above. Like they're on the same points as Reading, and they're on the same points as Manchester City. To be honest with you, um, and they're just going to be trying to get up to that like eighth spot or that mid table. Um, and actually, of course, if you were to tell me at the beginning of the season, oh, yeah, this is where Everton's going to be. They're going to be in 10th. I would have told you to go somewhere else because <laughs> I really did think that, you know, that they could go and get that that top, that top three. Um, so, yeah, they're a great bunch of players, uh, very talented. And even like the Rosengard signings, I think they're going to be quite disappointed Um it, it was a really it's a good it was a good opportunity for them to come over to WSL and it just hasn't really worked out too great. But um in this game specifically, um they were lucky to get the point. And I think actually that needs to be more for how many wake up calls do they need really? Because um they need to be getting these points. It's desperate for them. I don't know about you what your opinion is, but uh I think they were lucky to get a point in the way they got it. But they were, were not lucky to get a point from chances created because I actually thought they, they created more clear-cut and bigger chances than Manchester United. And as I, yeah. said, about, as I said about United, uh, when I talked about United, Everton controlled most of the game. Uh, they had the ball and they, they looked more dangerous. And I think you can already see signs of what Jean-Luc Basseur wants to wants how how he wants them to play. Uh, I think he utilized Claire Emsley very well out on the left wing. She ran, ran in behind quite a lot of times and she cut it cut inside and found space there. And also Ken Zadali through the middle will had a really good game. Uh, looked very yeah, dangerous. she's she's a class player to be to be fair. So Whilst Everton were lucky to get a point in the way they got it, I, I think they actually deserved to get a point from this game, uh, considering uh, they weren't the, the bad. Chances. They weren't bad at all, but yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, 
okay, moving on to West Ham versus Reading. Uh, finished 2-2. West Ham was... took the lead uh, and went two goals up uh, and seemed to be <laughs> in, in control, really. Why and how didn't they manage to hold hold on to the three points? Well, I, I think they're going to be quite disappointed about it, to be fair. They, they had such a good game. Um, I think was it, it was Lisa scored her first West Ham goal, if I'm correct. Yes, she did. She did, icon. Um, no, I think I think they're going to be disappointed with it. Um, they, they did have a good game and actually even just... Something's clicking at the moment. Um, I know they're only seventh, but something is is clicking in the team. I mean, if you look at where they came last season, um, I think, I think, yeah, it's 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 good for them. But I think also where West Ham and Reading are in the table, it's such a crucial game um, for both teams. Um, so a loss for West Ham well not a loss sorry a draw for them is probably as far from what they want or from what they need but it's not a loss um, so yeah I think I think they played some good football um, but yeah they're not going to be too happy with the result uh, and no one's the manager to be quite honest with you what do you think about it? Yeah, I agree with you. I thought that actually West Ham were were quite good. Uh, they, as I said, they they control they controlled the game, uh, and they had quite a few chances. Uh, just when they went two 0 up, I just thought, okay, they're going going to win this because Reading didn't seem uh, that likely to get back into it. Uh, but I, I think just it's it's hard to say what went wrong for them and why they didn't manage to hold on but maybe concentration issues uh, looking at kind of the goals they conceded uh, from a set piece uh, and it was an own goal as well and the last yeah. one was just a bit of a, a scramble in the box and then I believe it's Emma Harris who was uh, at the back, alone on the back post, just Harris, managed yeah. to, to tap it in so uh, and just crossing the line as well so very tough Really tough result for West Ham, considering how well they played uh, yeah. and how in control they seem to to be. But then again, it's another it's another issue of letting stuff slip. Um, and I think that's we're coming. I mean, international breaks as well. I know West Ham hasn't got too many international uh, players, but just the breakup of play, I think, is also probably another issue with players going away and players coming back again. Um, and and I feel like that's an issue for the whole league is um, lots of players are just kind of falling asleep off the ball and, and making silly errors. And, and some of it's a fault of their own. Some of it could be schedule, but it is it's definitely noticeable. Um, and it's kind of as what we've been discussing. It's a similar situation for like pretty much all of the teams that are drawing or losing last minute is making silly mistakes. So, um yeah, that's that's what I think anyway. But yeah. Um, what about Reading then? What do you think about them? Yeah, Reading. Um, they've. I think West Ham kind of dominated a bit more, but I again the outcome of it kind of shows that they they didn't give up. Um, they they definitely had stuff left in them to, to kind of bring it to a draw. Um, they they've got. 
they're, they're certainly not a bad team. They've got good qualities in both um, attacking and defending. Uh, but then again, I think their their kind of position in the table reflects the consistency of them. Um, but they are kind of looking a bit on the up. You know, they they lost um, quite a few games, and then they they won uh, two of their last three. So um, yeah, I think I think they weren't horrific, um, and and actually they're going to be quite happy with their second half in grabbing back points. But um, yeah, it wasn't exactly promising. Um, and what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I don't think they. I think they. I thought they struggled uh, for, for most of the game, really. Yeah. Uh, whilst they did kind of manage to hold on to the ball at times, uh, and Dean Rose uh, was their their biggest threat going forward. Uh, I still didn't expect them to to pull it back, uh, but. As you say, it showed real. They, they showed real character, and I think that's a confidence thing go, coming uh, from from the last two games where they won three and L. So they just when they got the first goal, I think they, they just started to really believe that they they could 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 get a point. Uh, so they they're definitely on the on the ups. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let's finish this podcast by talking about the well, biggest name in biggest game uh, in terms of names, uh, but not in terms of table positions. <laughs> no, uh, Manchester City played Manchester Chelsea, City. Yeah. and they um, they lost lost again. <laughs> 4 nil this time. <laughs> I think, I know, honestly, I think that this just shows how unpredictable seasons can be in the sense that if you were to to have the, what, Chelsea-Manchester City game last season or the season before, it is one of the most show-stopping games and one of the tightest games out there. Um, but 4 nil, um, I think, reflects the state of the Manchester City team at the moment. Um, and I said in our first WSL season review that I think that Manchester City will struggle this season with injuries. And boy, they have. They've um, they've had some of their most crucial players out with injuries. Um, and, you know, famously, their coach said, um, our WSL youngsters aren't ready enough for the first team and now he has to use them because he's got no other choice so um i i think that obviously it wasn't any trouble for the chelsea team chelsea has so many quality players and and big names even on their bench so they dominated um and it's very apparent that they dominated uh from the scoreline and the league position table to be honest so yeah, Chelsea versus Manchester City, it wasn't an issue for Chelsea. And uh, Manchester City are right down at the bottom in ninth. And um, I tweeted, I think it was like a couple of weeks ago, uh, <laughs> I was asking whether Manchester City had their relegation plans ready because it's not going too great. <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> Uh, I actually spoke about uh, spoke about City last last podcast and, and 
kind of asking after they beat Leicester four one. Yeah. If, if 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 that was a turning point for them, <laughs> that they finally got <laughs> no, a win. No, 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 no. But then we. It agreed, was Leicester in Venice. And then we agreed that let's see what they do against Chelsea, uh, and they did really badly. Uh, so I, I think, don't know what went wrong for them really. I think the thing is, is that they're having these players come back. Um, the players that have been out have had some really long-term injuries. Coming back into the game, um, it's not going to be like what the, the form that they were on before, you know, before that they got injured. So it's going to take time for readjustment. And I just think that City had the opportunity to to kind of use their younger players beforehand and get them integrated into the squad so it wasn't as big of a difference if something like this happened and it never did happen so the the issue was is that they just let Chelsea dominate they didn't really attack I think would you say it was 4-1 I think it, it, it just really reflects that it the the drive just wasn't there um and and actually just the, the gap um in quality just wasn't there um and actually i'm like what do you think like technically kind of they did wrong from like the game from watching it i think mostly they were uh they made too many defensive errors uh, silly mistakes leading to, but chelsea took advantage of i think you could see that well the first goal scored by jesse fleming after like a minute and a half or whatever Two minutes. Uh, it was a, right. it, it was it was a defensive mistake, uh, and they and they paid for it obviously when when you play a good team like Chelsea, uh, and I think also you could see it on a couple of other goals that their defense just and goalkeeper just made mistakes. Um, but actually, after Chelsea scored the first goal, Manchester City actually took control of the ball. Uh, because Chelsea yeah. were happy to kind of sit back uh, and counter more, uh, and and City actually I had think. some chances, and and Catherine Berger made some really good saves. Yeah, for uh, sure. And I and then I also think at one point, I think it was Lauren Hamp that got through, and and Catherine Berger just completely killed her, uh, and that should have been a penalty for them and a red card probably. Yeah, uh, and that would have changed. No, the and game, I agree but... because. It it is just a case of they 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 should have definitely got that penalty, um and and Anne Katrinberger I think is just such a crucial part of that Chelsea team, um and she really is that last line of defence and 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 she she's crucial so if if Manchester City were able to, you know, get that player off the pitch it could have changed the whole game entirely, um but as you said uh Ch- Chelsea just allowed them. Uh, once they were comfortable with their goal lead, and this is actually take note, Manchester United, because honestly, you need to get a four goal cushion before you can kind of let teams walk over you. Um, and and Chelsea just sat back; they played their defensive football, and and obviously Manchester City were allowed to exploit it. But they just have good co- communication, and they just have good confidence in each other. Um, and I think that is what kind of makes the difference in football it's not all about technicality and it's not all about it's about having good relationships and good communication with your teammates um and and they've got that down to a t um they're a very tight team and and it comes through in their football 
Yeah, absolutely. The big question is, can can Gareth Taylor survive this shit, shit show of a season? Well, that is the real question. I feel like the the, the head people, uh, the Chiefs at Manchester City, will probably uh, put down this season's absolute shambolic season to injuries. Uh, 100%. And the last thing that they'll want to do is blame it on Gareth Settler. Gareth Southgate, <laughs> Gareth Taylor is the last thing they want to do. Okay, um, so I, I think I think he probably will survive, um, and I think it will just be more of ignorance uh, from from the board because uh, they're probably thinking, probably feeling a bit stupid at the moment. Um, so I know Manchester Manchester City fans might not want him, uh, but I don't think he's quite going yet unfortunately i mean he, he definitely shouldn't survive but 100% but it's also a case of them maybe like the the upper people at manchester city not uh finding someone suitable to replace him because they they want it's this hard. They, they want this manager in the manchester city mold uh, and kind of have someone that plays the Manchester City way. They had Nick Cushing, uh, who did that, who came from the academy, I believe. Uh, yep. And when he left, they appointed Gareth Taylor from the men's academy. So it's kind of a very um, internal it's, it is, thing, identity thing. Uh, and I'm not sure if they think they could find that uh, from the outside. Uh, and they might therefore stick with him. Yep, agree. But we want him to stay Taylor in. I mean, Taylor in all the way. Same as Skinner, to be honest, but... <laughs> nah. I've, I've had enough of him. You've had enough. You're out. That's it. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> no. no. Uh, we need to talk about Chelsea before we end the podcast. You're right. We do. What did they do so do right uh, to just completely demolish Manchester City? I mean, I, I spoke about it earlier, but just the, the, the chemistry and the communication they have just that back line well I, I'm not no because the the back line needs improving we're going to go more uh, midfield and attacking just even they just work so well together um, and I feel like they've done their research very well um you know when they go and do their meetings and they look at the opposition's highlights they really did nail that to a t um and just the execution was quite good uh, they obviously did allow a couple of chances from manchester city um it's not going to be a perfect performance from from them but um they were by far the dominant team they really like their goalkeeper and Kretchenberger like she she did she made some pretty good saves um a lot more solid than City's goalkeeper um but yeah I just think that they just work so well together and I think that any team that can work like they do is going to have great success and obviously their table position says everything so um yeah, I'm interested to hear what you thought they did well with. Well, the main thing was obviously taking advantage of uh, Manchester City's mistakes and, and their wrongdoings. Uh, but I really felt that uh, they 
<clears throat> use their wingbacks, Gure Wright and Erin Cuthbert, so well. Uh, they went forward and they found space and they were just so good uh, going forward. They found the right solutions and just, I mean, they were, they, they, they had really good games. <laughs> um, so it's, it's very difficult to analyze Chelsea in that they, they, they just work together and they play their football and they just execute it the way they want and, and it works for them. Uh, it might not be kind of the most flashy football in terms of uh, high ball tempo and stuff like that, but they just managed to find a way to uh, to win, and they, and the the, the 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 way they play football just works for them. Um, and I also just were lethal on the counter attack when when silly uh, dared to go forward. Yeah. Before we end the podcast, Chelsea are now only one point beyond Arsenal. <laughs> and we have a title race uh, on our hands between the two London clubs, I believe. We do. How do you see that going or, develop- <laughs> or developing throughout the season? Um, I think that it's going to be down to the transfer window in the sense of whether Chelsea can sign... Um, any more defensive backup it's going to have a huge role um, in their success I feel like their team's pretty much perfect except for that that awful defensive situation Um, as for Arsenal uh, I think they're doing exceptionally well at the moment but they need to have this race that this rest and they also need to um, I'm, I'm really interested to see how they can cope with that Leah um, obviously, we don't know how long she's going to be out for. It's looking for quite some time. Um, and actually, whether they can kind of get a sort of temporary replacement. Um, I mean, that'd be something that they're probably going to look into. Um, but I think for sure it's going to be actually closer than the last two seasons, I'd say, for the for the title. Um, and I think that I, I'm, I am actually going to back my team. I'm not going to sound like a secret Chelsea fan. Um I am going to say that Arsenal can can win this and that they will win it. Um, but Chelsea are by far the biggest threat than what Arsenal's probably faced. And actually having the competition, uh, Arsenal's missed out on a little bit. They haven't really been too great for the last season. So, um, I yeah, I think it's going to be one of the best seasons uh, for those two teams. Uh, from a fan's perspective, it's going to be entertaining. They're probably going to be shitting themselves every game, but yeah. <laughs> um, but but from a fan's perspective, I think it's going to be entertaining. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Can I just say that I hope Arsenal wins over Chelsea because I like Arsenal better than Chelsea. Do you know what? Uh, that is a very valid opinion. <laughs> I just like the way Arsenal play more than the like Chelsea. I find Chelsea a bit boring. Sorry. Fair enough. Uh, uh, so, yeah, very interesting to see. It's definitely going to be tight, though, and probably go all the way in. For sure. For sure. Wow, it's been it's been so, a pleasure. <laughs> let's, yeah, great to have you back on. So let's let's leave it there. Uh, thank yep. you to to live for coming back on the podcast. Sorry. Right. Uh, thank you to everyone <laughs> for listening. We yep. really appreciate the support, and we hope you, you want to share our podcast and our work going forward. 
so follow us on Twitter at Football Engine One. Uh, and apart from that, we will speak to you later. Yes. Bye. See ya. Thank you.